Welcome to the podcast of champions. This is the Herald Express Devon Live Talker United Yellow Army podcast, created weekly by David Thomas and Guy Henderson. Here you can find everything you ever wanted to know about Talker United, along probably with quite a lot that you didn't. You can find the podcast in the Talker United section of devonlive.com, or you can subscribe to us on iTunes. And welcome, and um, fair play to any of you who got through the 56-minute epic last week. Which um, Heroes all. We went on a bit last week, didn't we? <laughs> we didn't realise we were. No, but, um, no. but there you go. If there you are. Time flies when you're having fun. See, I was, as the Allman brothers used to say, we were born a rambling man. We? <laughs> we just rambled on. But welcome to the podcast. Now, if you... Um, if you take it that Talker United uh, is a big family, uh, all the way through the club, from the players and the supporters, um, we've had three deaths in the family this week, haven't we? Which I think we should uh, we should begin with. Over the past week, yeah, or just over, actually. Um, uh, first of all, uh, somebody who, although he isn't, his name isn't instantly recognisable in the way that players are, mm. uh, many older listeners and supporters will certainly have seen him in action uh, and will may well know his name which is Colin Bratcher who yes. is who yeah. was the the club photographer and our part-time photographer i use the phrase part-time advisedly because he, he his his productivity was worth most full-time employees indeed um, and if people have got any old talk united pictures on their laptops or on their walls or in their scrapbooks the chances are he took them. They're Collins, yeah, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. Um, a fantastic guy. Uh, um, uh, and it was his, I've just come hot foot from his funeral today, which yeah. was obviously a very sad occasion. But it, it wasn't allowed to be because uh, Colin was the sort of person who put a smile on everybody's face. And uh, the message from his family, quite rightly, was that um, that's where everybody should stay. Yeah. And yeah. Um, uh, no, it was a, he was a wonderful chap, um, a, a tremendous photographer. He was, um, I mean, his, which wasn't his actual job. No, uh, um, he was a effectively a building inspector for most of his life. He was a he was a qualified carpenter in his youth and and ended up doing that. But he was photography was one of his great loves. Yeah, um, along with Talker United and and anything that basically got the blood coursing through your veins. And, yeah. Um, because looking back in the archive, as I have been today, just to look for some of Colin's pictures. He took rugby pictures. He took any sport, any event that you pointed him at. He was a, a real gentleman as well, wasn't he, Colin? The, the great thing about Colin was you could send him on a job to cover, let's say, Liverton United against East Allington uh, uh, if Torquay were away. Um, and you'd come in on the Monday morning and not only with a, a load of really good pictures of Liverton United against East Allington, but he would have spotted somebody in the crowd, yeah. let's say Lionel Messi on a day off, if you know what I mean. <laughs> he does go to Liverton yeah, well, a lot. Yeah. Yeah, not literally, <laughs> but you know what I mean. Uh, or somebody who he knew would have pointed him out, mm. Go would always go over, grab the person, say hi, da, 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 and get a picture of him standing next to somebody else or whatever. Yeah, and that was almost as better as as good as uh, as the match pictures that he was actually sent to get, and and there was always a bonus with Colin. There, there was it was never a kind of oh well that's that and that's the end of that and and yeah. and he always tried to give you more than you had actually asked for. Yeah, um, and his photographs was absolutely spot on. 
those of us getting a bit dewy-eyed often thought that some of his best were black and white back in the days yeah, when yeah. the paper, you know, before it had gone colour. But um, no, great chap, uncanny knack of getting the picture. Yeah. Um, it's not easy, is it? If you and I go and watch a football match and try and take a picture behind the goal... Forget it. Forget it. We never come back with the kind of results that these guys do. No, no. And and you know the best wedding photographers are the ones who just wander around and get... Yeah. Not the people who stand and say, oh, can you move in a bit, in a bit, in a bit. No, the ones that the best ones are the ones who, who you don't even know they're there and they're wandering around. At the end of it all, they produce some absolutely wonderful, evocative shots... Yeah. beautifully uh, apparently set up but of course they're not um, and Colin was like that he, he you would never know he was doing the job um, no. and and yet he, he he had this uncanny knack of, of getting the picture whether it was at Wembley or as I say at Playmore yeah. or or East Allington he, he was uh, he was a, a tremendous guy and um, uh, uh, 85 years old he not been in the best of health recently but still going to play where he, he had his season ticket there last season I used to me and many more others I, I only used to do it occasionally sort of help him up into his seat in Bristow's bench because his mobility w wasn't that great and I always used to say to him Colin can't you find somewhere you know slightly easier to get to, to oh no 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 it's all right it's all right I like the view up here, uh, <laughs> yeah. and uh, and he wouldn't uh, he used to wave away any sympathy and say, "No, get on with it." You, right, you can go off now and get on with your afternoon. So uh, much missed. Uh, a wonderful chap, indeed. And looking through the archive this afternoon, as I say, one of the pictures of his that I found uh, brings us on to John Gitting. Oh, well. Um, uh, you and I almost, well, I was definitely there, and I imagine you were there the, the night of the West Ham friendly. I was, uh, yes. Joe, um, I should point out, John has died at the age of 55. John yeah. Gittins, yeah, yeah, United defender, played for United for two years, 1996 to, to 1998. Yeah. Uh, of course, he'd had this wonderful career before. Um, Midlander by birth. Yeah. Uh, Southampton picked him up from a junior team um, in the Midlands. He, he played for Southampton twice. Um, Middlesbrough, Swindon, um, where he played under Ozzy Aldiles for a little while. He did, Portsmouth, yeah, and then, yeah. I mean, how 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 he ever got a free transfer from Portsmouth, I don't know. Because since he's died, the, the the tributes coming from supporters of the, those clubs, but United managed to get hold of him. Uh, um, this is the type of player who. In those days, and we're talking mid nineties, mm. um, and of course it used to happen a lot more before then. Used to, to sort of drop down through the divisions yeah. very yeah. readily, and and um, United obviously picked up many wonderful players that way, um, and we managed to get him, you know, and yeah. and it was in the wake of a pretty disastrous season before, uh, when United had finished bottom and were saved by Stevenage's ground or. The fact that it wasn't ready. No. Um, and Barry and, Hale scoring all those goals that's for That's right. As well. and, yeah. and we were everybody was desperate for a turnaround. Yeah. And, um, Eddie May, who had been the manager the previous season, who it may not have been a great season under him, but he did manage to sign one or two seriously good players. We've already touched recently on Charlie Oakway. Yeah. Um, but Alex Watson was was probably his best signing. Him and Rodney Jack. It was Eddie May who. Yeah. Uh, um, 
uh, made sure that after a pre-season friendly at Plainmore, the pre uh, or no, no, it wasn't a pre-season friendly. It was it was a, a mid-season friendly uh, against Lambard at MC. Yeah. Um, it was it was Eddie May who persuaded Mike Bateson that if he let Rodney Jack leave town, it would be one of the biggest mistakes he ever made, and. Um, so he was responsible for Rodney Jack yeah. signing. Anyway, but in the wake of that season, United had finished bottom and everybody desperate there. Um, Mike Bateson appointed Kevin Hodges, uh, who came in with Gary Nelson. Gary Nelson, yeah. Um, uh, and Steve McCall as player coach. And, and it, things started to pick up, didn't yeah. they? Um, but uh, Kevin was desperate to sign an experienced defender if he could. And Gittins came into view and uh, one of the first games, I think, I think it was the first game he played, yeah. for, played for us was this pre-season unfriendly against West Ham. It was, it was pretty hostile, wasn't it, as far <laughs> as I remember? I mean, John, John was, um, uh, you have to, you know, I got on with him fine, but, but I think this, even he would admit that he, wasn't, he was never the life and soul of the party. Mm. But that's the type of bloke you want at centre-half, yeah. isn't yeah. it? And... Uh, um, West, he, he, he would undoubtedly, I, I think, have seen West Ham uh, with a couple of um, what he would call Carlos kickerballs <laughs> in the team. As, as, uh, and we are talking about 1996 yeah, now, of course. Yeah. Um, uh, as uh, a team to be brought down a peg or two. And um, the story is that Florian Raduccioio, this Romanian midfielder who Harry Radnapp had paid couple of oh, million for yeah. uh, a fortune <laughs> in those days yeah, exactly yeah. Uh, um, specifically asked not to go out for the second half after <laughs> after claiming that he'd been uh, dealt with quite severely yeah. by by John and, and one or two others yeah he claimed he'd been thumped didn't well he? that was afterward that, oh, that, right. that, that yeah. was on the yeah. touchline later okay. yeah um, uh, because I think Harry Redknapp presumably said you're not coming off at half time yeah. now get back out again anyway I, I can't remember the actual incident but there was a there was a bit of a Dust up on the touchline, and Radu Choyu um, was screaming that he'd been hit, and, and, uh, yeah. and it all got a bit lively. And um, I can remember Harry Redknapp coming out afterwards and saying, complaining furiously about the treatment that his team had received at the hands of this fourth division <laughs> mob. You know, I'm never coming here again, or words to that effect. Yeah. And he also claimed that there was blood on the floor of the West Ham dressing room. And of course, I think one or two of the more uh, um, uh, the keener local journal who said, "Oh, can we come in and have a look?" Yeah. No, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, so uh, um, and they threatened. To, uh, I think they they threatened to, to take talking to the FA. They and, do. I remember that part of, of it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, uh, in the, the coverage, the, the effect on Torquay supporters was exactly the opposite of what Garrett, Harry Redknapp wanted, I think. The Torquay fans heard that they'd finally got a defender who wasn't backwards in coming forward. Yeah. And in fairness to Alex Watson, who was Eddie May's other great signing, he, he wasn't either. Um, and literally, uh, um, uh, within weeks, yeah. we suddenly had two centre-halves who you didn't want to argue with um, and United fans took John Giddens yeah. in their heart straight away uh, and eventually of course um, Kevin Hodges added Jamie Robinson yeah, and uh, that great back three of Giddens, Watson and Robinson it almost rolled off the tongue of, yeah. of, of, you know, of, a, of a I don't know a firm of enforcers didn't it uh, with um, 
Andy Gurney. And, I was going to uh, say, that was the same team with the wing-backs, With the wing-backs, yeah. yeah. And, 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 and never were two wing-backs more able to get forward <laughs> in the knowledge that things would be okay at the back. Yeah. And um, John Gittins was a... My goodness, he was a competitor, wasn't he? And um, uh, mentioned in the Herald this week, I think the biggest tribute that United fans paid to him uh, was in his second season, 97-98, with Rodney Jack in his pond. Yeah. John Gittins was player of the year. Uh, they absolutely loved the way he dealt with people at the back. Um, funnily enough, for such a, a player who had played, you know, top level, yeah. um, there was always a mistake in him. Yeah, um, I, yeah I seem to remember that. He, he, he just would occasionally, he'd be playing, you, you, you would be looking at him and think, well, nothing's ever going to get past him. How, how, do you, how on earth do you shift him or, or get past him? And then all of a sudden, he would do something a bit weird and wonderful, take yeah. an extra touch or something like that, or a back pass that was under hit. Um, of course, most of the time, he was so quick, which was quite unusual yeah. for centre-backs, um, that he could get himself out of it. But every now and again, it went a bit, it went a bit wrong. But the United fans forgave him yeah. or, or any of those incidents because... Um, he turns up in a lot of all-time best 11s, doesn't he? Well, there you go. So that, that's an indication of the place yeah. he had in the hearts of supporters. And, and um, I think, uh, how many times over the years have we seen uh, um, defenders, steady Eddie, ever-present type defenders yeah. winning the Player of the Year award? That kind of, and midfielders as well, rather than the... Yeah, sort of the the flair players, the flair players, yeah. and and um, uh, it, it was just that United had, had obviously taken a bit of a battering uh, for quite a few years, and uh, well, certainly for the previous couple of years. I and mean, it's being very unfair to the time under Donna Reardon when, of course, they had a good side. Mm. But um, it was just uh, uh, what a player he was. He was indeed. Uh, you wouldn't you wouldn't take him on mm. with out an army but without an army behind you, would you? I just, I just rapid train of thought onto Rodney Jack. A clip has surfaced on Twitter this week that somebody's put up of oh, Rodney right. Jack's two goals against Scarborough. Scarborough, yeah. In the playoff yeah. semi-final at Playmore. Second leg, yeah. Which led me to wonder... Which, you, you've never quite got over that evening, have you? It was a wonderful evening. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was just one of those... Steve, Steve McCall's goal... Goal is a thing of... It's a thing of absolute beauty. Yeah, quite. No, I always remember you. You, you Whenever these things, when Misty you, when eyed. you, when you and I have yeah. done a bit of nostalgia over the years, uh, that 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 May evening in nineteen ninety eight nearly always comes up. It does, but I had forgotten until I looked at those clips. Do, have we ever had a player faster than Rodney no. Jack? Both of the goals that he scored, he just basically gave the defence a couple of yards start. I think... Sprinted past them I think, and scored. I think uh, in terms of sheer pace, mm. uh, I would put Steve Morrell um, in the 1970s yeah, yeah. right up there. Um, he was blazingly quick when he got going. I tell you who was much quicker than people gave him credit for was Mustafa Carriol when he yeah. really put the afterburners on. But the thing that made Rodney Jack different was his ability to go up a gear. Uh, I can remember several times, especially in the first leg against um, Scarborough, away yeah. from home, Jason Rocket, their balding centre-half, um, Rodney scoring a goal against them on the counter-attack. Yeah. Uh, I, funnily enough, I think from a through ball by John Gittins, if my memory serves me right, and... Rodney Jack giving Rocket about a five-yard start and Rocket running and and you could almost body language. I've yeah. got him. It's okay. He isn't going to do me now. And then in the space of four or five yards, 
Rodney suddenly going into overdrive. Yeah. And it was his change of pace that made him so, you know, mm. almost impossible to play against at times. And it's, it's the quality was, of his finishing as well. I mean, yeah. the, the two finishes for those Scarborough for goals, goals are outstanding. That's right. Really good. But he, he, he had this ability to be going quite quick and then all of a sudden to be going very <laughs> quick indeed. And, and uh, in pace, uh, change yeah. of pace, it was his secret. Uh, and he could be going, you'd think, defenders would think, yeah, I've just, I've got him, I've got it. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and then all of a sudden there's daylight and, yeah. and bye. And, uh, and of course you didn't get him back. No. Um, and uh, no, but anyway, that was in the same era as, as, yeah. as, as the late, great John Gittins. And um, he went on to, he uh, played for Exeter for two years after he did, Torquay. Yeah, yeah. See, he was so um, good at playing, well, the fans have even forgiven him for that. Forgiven that, exactly. Yeah. And he went on to Exeter, then into non-league, uh, became a coach and a manager. Um, and it won't come as any surprise to anybody that he had occasional dust-ups with officials <laughs> as managers because he, he wouldn't be backwards in coming forward no. with them. Um, but in recent years, he's been working mostly with the FA as a uh, coach, yeah. um, coordinator and development officer. And, and many, many people have paid tribute to the encouragement yeah. as coaches that he helped them through their coaching badges. And Among and them, Kevin like Nicholson. Kevin oh, Nicholson was yeah. one of them. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, I bumped into him uh, on the training. I, oof, it's got to be 18 months ago now, something like that. Uh, Kevin was manager and popped out to Seal Hain one day. And there was this character wandering around the the, um, the flattened pitch area yeah. with a bobble hat on, all on his own. And I sort of wandered up. Who's that? I recognise him. And I kept looking and kept looking and suddenly realised it was John. Yeah. And um, went over and <laughs> said hi. It's exactly the same as it was when he was a player. Morning. <laughs> there was a, he, 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 uh, nothing had changed. No. Um, but no, it was very nice to see him again, and uh, he was helping out. And uh, no, the type of, Kevin Hodges summed it up very well. Yeah. A very strong character. Yes. First name you wrote on your team sheet every week. I thought that was. You can't ask for much you can't more, ask than, that, more can you? than that as a professional no. footballer. Absolutely. And another member of the, uh, the, the the goals Hall of Fame, if you like, who we've lost this week, Alan Skirt. Yeah, uh, I uh, I was away, if you know what I mean. My career had taken me away for a couple of years when yeah. Alan played for United in the early nineteen seventies. That seventy one, seventy two, yeah. wasn't he, it? He'd had a he yeah. had a fine, fine career at Arsenal, mm. big favourite at Arsenal. Um, uh, and a drop down again. Here we go yeah. again, dropping down through the divisions. And he played for United for what a season and a half, something like that, um, in the early nineteen seventies, when the club wasn't actually at a. You know, it, it was their halcyon days in the third division under Frank O'Farrell and Alan Brown were yeah. uh, fading then. Um, uh, but so he didn't play for the club at, at a great time in their career. Um, but he's very popular at Playmore. Yeah, very um, fondly remembered by yeah, fans from that time. Absolutely, as well. um, goal-scoring winger. I think was the best. He could play anywhere along the front line. Mm -hmm. He could play centre forward, inside forward, wing, um, uh, and eventually he he dropped into non-league and and became a very important member of Yeovil's commercial department yeah. uh, and gave great service uh, to to that club. But I always he was one of those players that I was always sad that I was working in Manchester or London and away yeah. for two or three years. Um, and I missed his 
his time at Playmore. Saw him play, obviously, but but not week in, week no. out. Um, but a, an, another of the very good players who United yeah. were fortunate enough to um, to sign from mm. from higher up. So that, it does make you feel like a bit of a family, doesn't it? When when you do lose members of the family, it's it's good that uh, social media is there and people have been very active on it this week, uh, paying tribute to all three. Yeah, of those yeah. people. So to matters matters of the moment um, at Plainmore, things going well on the season ticket front. So I understand. Um, obviously, when the season tickets were put on sale. We mentioned in the podcast last week that um, you know there were increases, which I think most people were expecting. Yeah, uh, nobody wanted them, but uh, there you go. And then you think, mm, are people going to go for those when they're a, a bit more expensive than last season? Well, all the indications are that they certainly have been going for them. Yeah, um, which is great. And I think Gary it gives John, the whole place a boost, doesn't yeah. it? Oh, it, it's. I think it is difficult sometimes for supporters to realise how, how, how hard these two months, May and June, are for professional football clubs, especially lower division clubs and, brackets, especially National League clubs, yeah. uh, where there isn't any of the filter-down money from the Football League. So you've got no, none of that to help you through the summer. Uh, and, of course, with no games, your, your basic revenue is... Yeah hugely reduced so season ticket sales in this period are absolutely crucial in helping the thing tick over yeah. um, and paying bills you know um, yeah and as, as Gary Johnson says the two things that get supporters excited in the close season season tickets get the season ticket get your hands on your season ticket and signings now people are getting anxious yeah they, they shouldn't be getting anxious yet, should they? Gary's no, got it all under not. control, hasn't no, he? I, absolutely. I, th I think, look, we would all like him to have gone out and gone bang, 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 bang. I don't think life isn't like that. Mm -hmm. uh, as, he, as he said at one stage a couple of weeks ago, he said, look, the type of players we're looking at, yeah. and he has referred to them, hasn't he, as marquee signings. That's what he's yeah. trying to get. He's not, buying, he's not going out to sign squad members no. now. He's going out to try and find guys who, are if they, if they don't actually start... They, they more or less will. Yeah. And of course, if Torquay United are interested in them, as he pointed out recently, there's a fairly good chance they've all got agents. Yeah. You know, yeah. there's a fairly good chance that one or two other clubs are going to be interested. So in those circumstances, if you're a player, Torquay have to be sensible. It's not like they're going to be throwing two thousand quid a week at people. Mm -hmm. They have to be sensible. They have to offer them, you know, a competitive wage. Yeah. yeah. And. Big, big thing with Johnson and Aaron Downs. They want them to come down, have a proper look round, yeah. look at the ground, look at South Devon College, look at Seal Hayne, look at the area and buy into what they yeah. are trying to do. And uh, if people are on the end of a phone and making excuses why they can't come down and have a look around, um, that probably means, does he really, is he right for us? Uh, I think I know um, that uh, Gary and Pete Johnson, his brother, and Aaron have, have are doing all sorts of very thorough diligence yeah. on, you know, uh, almost what they have for breakfast. Um, and it's the old old thing, isn't it? Do you want to do you want to make an early mistake or yeah. a late good one? I'll take a late good one any time. 
And there are all kinds of X goals becoming available now. Then as soon as one becomes available, the chat all starts. I mean, um, Alex Fisher at uh, Yeovil yeah. is, is available. I think nearly everybody's available at Yeovil, yeah, aren't they? I think so. But I mean, we shouldn't expect Gary Johnson to pack the squad with X goals. There's no reason why he would be wanting to do that. There's no reason to think that uh, that's the way we're going. We're looking for new players, aren't we? Yeah, uh, I, I think, you know, you, you've, you have to... Uh, it's a long time since... I and I'm, I don't, I'm not. The, I think supporters generally have as much confidence in someone yeah. that they know what they're doing. So yes, of course, we'd like to see two or three signings already. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think up in the home counties, where you've got annually this great maelstrom of available players going round and round and round, and they all move from club to club to yeah. club to club. I see Michael Cheeks. Gone from Ebbsfleet to Bromley. Yeah, um, Elliot Remain has gone to Eastbourne, hasn't he? Some, well, Eastbourne? that was his original club. I think and he's of course there's a new there. manager in there now. I think he's gone back there. Yeah. I may Lee be Bradbury wrong. has gone from yeah. from Haven't and Waterlooville. They got relegated. He's gone to Eastbourne. By the sound of it, the noises are that there's a big budget there next year. Blah blah blah. Yeah, and and all, all these players move around from club to club to club. Now, whether they actually end up doing the job for you or not is is you know, sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. Um, and at the end of next season, they'll move on again. Yeah. And I, and I, and I think, you know, the Johnson brothers and Downs are looking for people um, to drop anchor here a bit more and, yeah. and to say, look, we're, we're you know, in this yeah. for a slightly longer haul than that. If you look at the number of players who United will have next season who were with them last season and or the season before, yeah, um, you know you've got people like Liam Davis and Rory Keating and and um, Jamie Reed and probably come up with another if you think hard enough, but you know who yeah. who are really fixtures here uh, and all had great seasons last seasons uh, last season and um, and I think and then the other ones of course were here last season and. Yeah. are going to be here next season, the ones they re-signed. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, Gary Johnson is, uh, he, he, he would love to have nailed down a couple by now. I'm sure he would. He's had a little bit of time off. Yeah. Although in this day and age, never, never far from a phone. Never far yeah. from a phone or a laptop. And um, uh, so I, 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 I get the impression that they are uh, pretty well advanced with two or three. Um, yeah. uh, and... The idea is if the figures if if the figures that he quoted earlier a few weeks ago are right that he's looking for at least nine or ten more players by mm-hmm. the time we kick off. Uh, of course, the another of the unknown factors is the loan situation. Yeah, yeah. Um, which of the lo- which if any of last season's loanees, and of course, in addition to the four Bristol City lads, we mustn't forget Frankie Vincent from uh, AFC Bournemouth, Bournemouth and how good yeah. he was over good the last player. few weeks yeah. of the season. We liked the, the more we saw of him, the more we liked him, didn't we? Telling me, um, so you know, was the jury's still out on on how many of those might be in the market for coming back, um, or are they completely new ones? And the other point about loan signings is that United fans shouldn't expect. Uh, much progress in that respect until pre-season because mm. those lads will do pre-seasons at their parent clubs. Yeah, they won't yeah. do it with 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 Talk United. I mean, one may one or two may drop in as pre-season carries on, um, but those the, the the parent clubs will want those lads doing pre-season yeah. 
with them before they send them out. Now, one of the lone players who uh, who's made no secret of the fact that he's you know he was keen to stay or keen to come back to do another season, particularly keen to work with Gary Johnson, is Jake Andrews. Yeah. Um, now, Jake, interesting player, Jake, isn't he? Because you kind of feel that he's going to go one of two ways. If if he gets back into the team, he is either going to become the next Union O'Kane, or it, because he it's not quite going to work out for him because he's got that kind of thing about him, hasn't he? He's got that, it's not arrogance, that's the wrong word. It's, it, it's, it's a confidence. It's talent. It's t- yeah, t- <laughs> there's talent there as well. Yeah. But it, it's that kind of confidence that sometimes spills over a little bit. But um, I, I'd like to see a bit more of him. Uh, I, I, you have to remember as well with Jake that, that he worked under Gary Johnson at Cheltenham yeah. uh, as well as in this season at Torquay. Um, they are both quite strong characters, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, and um, I stand to be corrected, but of all those younger lads, I would think that Jake has had more bollockings off Gary than yeah. most of them. Quite but, public as well. Yeah, one or two of them yeah. quite public. Um, but they both know each other, yeah. and they both, Gary knows that he can get stuck into Jake. Mm. Jake has this confidence in his own ability yeah. that keeps his head up. Um, uh, I, I, I think he's a potentially, I, don't, I think he's, there's almost no limit to how, how high mm. he could go. Um, uh, I think, you know, that, that he has other areas that he needs to improve on. And if, if he was sitting with us now, he'd be the first to probably look at us old fashionedly and then nod. Yeah. Um, uh, but uh, he, he's, what is he, 21, 22 now, these next year. Yeah, is going to be hugely important for him wherever he goes. I'd personally love to see him back. I suppose um, his choice. I mean, if he stays at Bristol City, the likelihood is he's going to be a fringe player at Bristol City. You know, may, he's still in the under twenty three age group, isn't yeah. he? There, he may get a loan out to somewhere else. But you know, would there be any point getting a loan out to somewhere else when he could come back, work with Gary Johnson, make a name for himself in the National League? I don't think this just applies to Jake Andrews either. Mm. Uh, everybody's assuming, for instance, that Sekou Jane, who was terrific for United last season, yeah. 18 goals, goal every other game, phenomenal work rate, etc., etc., etc. And because he was taken back to Ashton Gate just after United had clinched the title, I think everybody's sort of assuming, well, we won't get him back. Yeah, I, I think with several of these loanies, Conor Lemonhaven's obviously included Opie Edwards, the winger. Any of the ones that Bristol City think are on the point of being able to maybe go up a step. A, United have already gone up a step yeah. anyway. Yeah. That so, would help. And, yeah. Which, yeah. Would, which would help. And for someone like Sekou Jani, a lot of people are saying, oh, Sekou Jani will play for whoever it is next season. He might even be in the Bristol City, in and out of the Bristol City squad. Yeah. Well, what would be more sensible in those circumstances of sending him back to Torquay in the National League for, say, a six-month loan to Christmas? Yeah. Look, hold on a minute. If he scores 18 goals for Torquay in three-quarters of a season in the National League South, if he scores another 10 or 12 for United in the first half of next season, now you're talking about going yeah. on yeah. maybe a league. And and perhaps somebody like Seku, you know, this might be perfect for him six months back at Torquay. Yeah. He knows the place. He's got that improvement still to come. He's only 19 years old. You know, he, he's, he's, you have to keep remembering yeah, these yeah. things. You know, they're not, you know, he, 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 these lads have got a huge amount of growing up and learning to do. Yeah. I don't mean that in a bad way. Um, uh, and 
it's in the end it will be down to in the Bristol City case Lee Johnson yeah Brian Tinian the head of player development there um, and Gary Johnson to to sort out what's best what's best for these lads I just sometimes uh, you know sounding like a bit of a, a boring old fart here sometimes you, you see someone like say Gujane Jake Andrews Connolly starring in the, the yeah. National League South and people immediately say oh well they'll, they'll League Two maybe even League One whoa hold on a minute they are big jumps they are for yeah. asking yeah. players of 21 19 years old to make and sometimes just for the sake of six months in a great environment that they know and understand, very demanding, nobody gets away with anything here, mm-hmm. um, yeah. that sometimes can be a better option in helping them to, to progress and move on. Friendlies. Now, we, I, I know it's, only, it's still only May and we, we owe our families a bit of a break, but we're all <laughs> getting excited about the pre-season friendlies. Now, we've learned three pre-season friendly dates so far, and we've learned all of them um, from the other clubs. <laughs> yeah, there we're, you go. <laughs> we're, we're at Tiverton on July the 20th. Well, aren't we always? Well, it uh, wouldn't uh, be the same without a game at Tiverton, would it? A, a trip to Ladies Mead uh, pre-season would not be the same. Uh, Buckland on the 13th. Sorry, really looking forward to that, order. by the way. That'll be great. Yeah, sorry, Buckland first, isn't yeah, it? Buckland yeah, Buckland first on the 13th. That would be a good. Great place to watch football over there. Yeah. Great club to uh, good good welcome over there always. That'll be good. And then we're at home to Exeter on the twenty seventh. Yeah. Which is the Saturday before the season starts. So I don't think there'll be anything after Exeter. No. Um, in terms of a preseason game, obviously I think there's at least two other dates to fill in, uh, and we the don't Tuesdays know. there will be the, the midweek yeah. dates. Yeah. Um, the players are back, as far as I know. I think it's the twenty eighth of June. That sounds awfully early, doesn't Does, it? Doesn't you know? it? Yeah. I think that's the day they're back. Yeah. I think they're back. That is that a? I think that's a Wednesday or a Thursday. And woe betide them if they're in Gary Johnson's fat club. Fact, his fat <laughs> club. Yeah, quite. <laughs> I don't think you would have to be very fat to be in that club. You and I would be. Uh, I, I'm <laughs> nervous. I'm not even going for a weigh-in, but I'm nervous for them. <laughs> <laughs> yes, if we turn up for do do a podcast at a, a, a pre-season, stick us on the scale when he's looking to get somebody in the yeah. fat club. I think I think we might oh. we might have to hide behind a hedge. Might, we? might give it a wide berth for that one. Um, we were wondering if, if possibly Torquay haven't announced any home friendlies yet. Um, or any more. Or any more home yeah. friendlies yet. Waiting to see how the pitch shapes up. Um, so. I, I haven't got that impression. Um, uh, the fans will have seen on the, the club's website all the pictures of the work going on on the pitch. Uh, I was up there today because Colin Bratch's uh, funeral reception was, was at Playmore, quite right too. Um, all the work is done. Yeah, uh, the pitch has now been uh, relayed and reseeded. Uh, the sprinklers are on, and I even spotted some little uh, um, uh, pockets of green, green shoots, uh, all, all yeah. already. Um, so that's all fine, yeah. and we're only what is it, May the sixteenth yeah. today, something that's like good, that. Isn't it? So yeah. I think that's all well on schedule. So I don't think that the concerns about the pitch. Let's face it, just as much work went on last year, mm-hmm. and. Chris Ralph and Julian Goulthorpe produced a pitch in time for pre-season yeah. uh, then. So um, I wouldn't have thought it's concerned about the pitch, but if they want to give the pitch as much time as possible to yeah. recover or and to, you know, to, to really knit together. I remember when we played last year, there was, a pre- couple of pre- there was a pre-season game where you could see the pitch was still yes, not you could. Yeah, it was... as uh, completely right. 
it was still in progress. Yeah. You could play on it. Um, and in the end, by the start of the season, it was terrific. And, and uh, you know, as history will relate that, you know, the uh, the ground share ended up, yeah. and a wet winter ended up not doing any favours. But certainly for the first few months of the season, it was terrific. But during pre-season, I seem to remember, you could see it was still, still taking coming shape, together. Yeah. You know? yeah. So, um, no, I, I mean, uh, I think... One game that people, lots of people, have, we've all heard mooted is Plymouth Argyle. Yeah. Well, uh, the Pilgrims don't have a manager at the moment, do they? Um, and I think that must be playing a part there. Yeah. Um, so we'll, we'll see. Good stuff. Now, well done, Woking. Let's get this out there now. Well done, Woking. I personally am delighted that Woking won that playoff and that they're coming up with us because I like a ready-made, packaged rivalry for the start of the new season. Um, they, they won 3-0. They beat Welling 3-0. Uh, Welling 1-0. What free, free kick by Armani Little. It was 3-2 the previous weekend oh, against Wilston. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, I'm getting carried away there. Yeah. Um, but uh, apparently a good performance by our yeah. man Gehring. Well, we, we, yeah, absolutely. Ben Gehring apparently yeah. was man of the match. And, and in fairness to, to Ben, of course, in the wake of him being sent off uh, against United in the three-all draw there. Yeah. He was obviously uh, crestfallen, which quite a lot of United fans enjoyed at the time. Um, but I remember he said, in effect, vowed, he said, I'll be back and I'll, yeah. I, I will, you know, effectively saying, you know, um, uh, I still think we'll go up and yeah. I'll play my part in it. And of course, in the final against uh, Welling, he, uh, he was... Uh, 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 outstanding by all accounts. Yeah. yeah. So uh, no, good, 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 good for him. But I, I absolutely get what you're saying about about the rivalry. And, um, the home, the trip to Woking, great. Uh, Woking at playing more great atmosphere. You've got a, a ready packaged, ready made rivalry. We'll be looking for that fixture, won't we? Absolutely. And and you, you over the years, United have of course had lots of rivalries, mainly with your Exeters and and. Even even Forest Green and people yeah, like that yeah. in the last few years, but we haven't obviously dropping into National League South. It's been a bit difficult, and we're back at National League level now, so a bit more to come there. Old friends like Wrexham, yeah, uh, look forward to seeing them. Stockport County, can't wait to That's have two good, games against Stockport County. But you're right about in the last couple of seasons, and of course they've been up against United. We've played them in the cup more times than we want to yeah please don't let's get drawn against working in the cup again <laughs> uh, we haven't done all that well against them uh, um, un, un, until uh, um, Ben Winter's golden moment um, yeah. at Kingfield the other day um, but there's a bit of growing feistiness there isn't there yeah well it's, bring it bring it on indeed. I think we, 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 we like that and um, I think United fans were secret. They, they must have been hoping that Woking would would win rather than Welling. With all due yeah. respect to Welling, and Woking did. Chorley are up as well. Chorley We've never well. played Chorley before. Not to my Don't knowledge. We've ever um, played Chorley. No, before. Chorley is near Bolton, Lancashire. Um, they squeezed past Spennymoor in the end on yeah. penalties, didn't they? It was a one-all draw there. So, um, with all due respect to Spennymoor, uh, we'll keep you for another year with a bit of luck. We, uh, it's a lot easier to get to Chorley than it is to Spennymoor. And Salford City Reds have gone in the other direction. They have. That's a bit of a, an oddity, isn't it? Because they've. What gone do you up. think? Torquay have never played them, but we've passed like ships in the night. Yeah. We've, we've gone down. They've gone up. Um, interesting. Very, very interesting. They'll they'll get some headlines, won't they? They'll get some coverage. Well, in 
at a time when quite a lot of clubs from Bolton downwards are in apparently in financial trouble, yeah, presumably from overreaching themselves, there's bound to be a few old fogies, probably us included, going, uh-oh, what's going on at Salford? Mm. Are they throwing too much money at it? Yeah. Will the gates, you know, really hold up when they're in the bottom half of League Two or whatever? All that kind of stuff. Look, well done to Salford. They've, they've, and to the class of 92. Yeah, who, who, who yeah fair play them. to them. They've done what they set out yeah. to do, haven't they? Uh, Mr. Lim from, is it Malaysia or I think so. one of the yeah. two, who's obviously the major shareholder there. Yeah. Um, frightening stories about how much they were paying Rooney when they signed him from, was it Aberdeen, somewhere like mm. that. In other words, what you can actually improve a player's wages from out of the Scottish Premiership into the National <laughs> League. What? Um, all of that sort of stuff. Look, um, you, you don't look too deeply into other people's business. Um, and very good luck to them in the, in yeah. the, in the Football League. Uh, I'm sure it'll be an interesting ride up there. Um, uh, and we we shall go back to AFC Fylde, uh, who, who uh, I must say I was completely wrong there. I, I fancied them to maybe do Salford, but uh, 3-0 didn't proved me wrong. No, didn't no, that's right. That was the 3-0 you were probably worried about. Of course it was. I got them the game. There have been so many playoff games. Yeah, and Villa, still going on in the Villa league, Villa and of Derby. Dar- what a great game that was last yeah. night, the Derby yeah. game. Villa game less A few less red so, cards waiting um, to happen there, wasn't yeah. there? Be an interesting um, final that one. Yeah, and of course a huge game tonight: Portsmouth against uh, Sunderland yeah. in the League One playoffs. Um, and then I th- oh, Charlton and Charlton at home. Charlton are going to have a massive gate at home to Doncaster, yeah. the second leg yeah. there. What a great old club that is! And um, wow, a, Ch- a Charlton final with all due respect to Doncaster, and that's not guaranteed, is it? A Charlton. Portsmouth, Portsmouth yeah. or Sunderland final? Wow, <laughs> that'll be okay, that'll be some game. That'll fill Wembley. Won't Sell it? a few tickets. Won't yeah. it? Uh, before we leave, leave the rest of the national league. No more news on Gateshead this week. No, nothing um, firm. Still, uh, still, still hanging still, in. Well, no, I, I, I still tales of woe and yeah. agony there. Yeah. Uh, and of course, as we mentioned last week, nobody more interested than Aldershot Town, who. <coughs> we're in the, pardon we're in the last relegation place and yeah. must still be hoping for some sort of, sort of salvation there managerless Aldershot yeah. town I think that they're looking around Gary Waddock's left there um, and quite a lot of other clubs yeah people man, players managers you almost have to keep checking by the hour to find out who's still in employment yeah. don't you but um, so with greatest respect to Gateshead, who um, who we'd enjoyed having at Plainmore we like Aldershot to um, get around them. wouldn't we Come on, please. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll take all the this. shots. Now, we spoke last week. It's coming up to the 30th anniversary of Torquay United's first trip to Wembley, which was the Sherpa Van Trophy final in May 1989. Um, and we talked a little bit last week about Torquay's progress to the final. We'll talk next week about the final itself. But... There was a real buzz ahead of the final, wasn't there? It was the first. We were the first Devon club to go to Wembley. It was the first time that uh, Torquay United supporters had had been able to buy souvenirs with Wembley on them. This is all old hat now, literally old hat, as Julian has put a picture of his old hat up on um, Facebook. But uh, it, it was a big, big deal, wasn't it, for Torquay? The mayor was there, but our most famous supporter with. 
greatest respect to Helen Chamberlain, but our most famous supporter of them all was very excited, wasn't he? He was, and and of course it, uh, he, he he sort of resurfaced in a way. I don't think everybody had forgotten the fact that he was a, a, a talk, born born and bred yeah. in Torquay supporter, and that was Peter Cook, the, the yeah. hugely popular comedian. There is a blue um, plaque. If you're in the, go into the popular side, have a look up on the wall as you go in. There is a Civic Society blue plaque up there. Um, dedicated to Peter. Yeah, and um, uh, of course he he was national news at the time because was it James Goldsmith was trying to shut yes. down Private Eye and um, uh, United had, had reached the final. Yeah, um, and the world's press was was gathered on the steps of the Private Eye offices uh, for an interview with Peter Cook and was it Jonathan Miller who also ran it. Um, yeah. with this massive public campaign to raise enough money to keep the magazine afloat if Goldsmith was going to sue them for every penny they didn't have. Um, and Peter Cook, I remember the door opening into the offices and him walking out onto the steps. Flashbulbs <laughs> popping. Flashbulbs <laughs> popping all around, with a yellow and blue scarf and a, rose, and, a, and a united rosette. And everybody was looking at him in blank astonishment and saying, what are you doing? Don't you realise, he said... We're off to Wembley on Sunday. <laughs> Who's we? <laughs> Talker United. And uh, in an instant, United had huge international publicity that yeah. they could never have dreamt. And um, uh, no, Peter came down. I remember he, he's yeah. um, doing there's interviews a, with him. And, there's a um, great picture of him with our old colleague Lynn standing on Talkie Seafront where she's got the Talkie United scarf on and he's got the rosette on. Yeah. Um, and, um, but it, it wasn't just an affectation. No, it, it wasn't. Because he was chairman of the Junior Supporters Club. He, he was in born the, and brought up in Yeah, Torquay. in the Ipswich season. Though. Yeah. In 1956-57 yeah. season, uh, uh, he 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 knew his stuff. Yeah, um, and uh, uh, he, he he hugely enjoyed the, the the sight of his hometown team, you know, back in the limelight yeah. again, and bought into it hugely. Uh, it's one of the regrets of my life that we we we, we formed a little friendship at the time. Um, and uh, <laughs> he he invited me to stay with him. Yeah. Uh, um, bef before and after the final to make a weekend of it. Now, if anybody who studied Peter Crook's career knows that his uh, um, uh, extramurally he was uh, not somebody to be taken on lightly. No. Uh, um, he could put it away a bit. I was going to uh, say I made my excuses and said, "Oh no, I'd arrange made other arrangement. What a shame!" But to this day, I've always thought. What? You turned down a weekend with Peter Cook. I was going to um, say it would have been a weekend to remember, but you would never I would, have remembered it. <laughs> I, would, I almost certainly <laughs> never have remembered a minute of it. So, uh, but uh, there we are. The late, great Peter Cook yeah, uh, um, yeah. played a large role in United in the build-up. And I remember the as we went up on the day, the coaches leaving from Plainmore, there was a whole cavalcade of coaches leaving from Plainmore. The... Well, United took... Uh, just under twenty thousand fans to 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 Wembley that day, uh, which is when you consider, and we've dealt with this before, that eight two years before this, the, yeah, the club had been within two minutes of oblivion, effectively, with with going out of the league, uh, and had been playing during the Dave Webb days in front of yeah nine hundred people and all of that kind of stuff. Um, now, obviously, a lot of people were jumping on the you know. The Wembley bandwagon. Yeah. Well, okay, <laughs> it was ever thus. Right. And there's there's plenty of room for them up there. It's the old Wembley as well. It was the old yeah. Wembley yeah. as well. And of course now, uh, in this day and age, when 
um, AFC Fylde and Salford City struggled to get 8,000 people there. Yeah. Uh, although, to be, I think we all feel for them because it's as far from Salford yeah. and, and Fylde to uh, Wembley as it is from Torquay. But the, the, the whole point was that we're talking about 1989 now. Yeah. Getting to Wembley was still a big deal then. Yeah. Yeah. It isn't now, let's face no. it. Torquay have been five times anyway. Uh, the FA play uh, any any kicker ball up there. Mm. Uh, um, uh, and and it's a great shame that the, 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 the whole kudos and thrill of getting to Wembley has been taken away, unfortunately, since the new stadium was yeah. built. Um, presumably but, in the name of making some money. Yeah. Um, but in then, definitely not. It was a huge deal. Yeah. Um, and in the end, well, the attendance for that Sherpa van, which was a third and fourth division competition, don't forget. Yeah. 46,513. And nearly half of them Torquay fans. That's a lot of people, isn't it? Um, and you and I remember that day very well and, and the huge, just the, the turning up in Torquay and, and seeing all the people. Yeah, jumping on coaches and meeting up and everything. It was really quite emotional. I remember um, we, we, there was a coach. There was a coach from the Herald Express. I think. I think uh, there was. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. Al alone. Uh, you know, and we we put a reporter in with the wives and girlfriends yeah, as well. Yeah. I remember that. Um, just a massive <laughs> thrill for everybody in the town, and 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 uh, uh, it was it was uh, it was. Well, anybody who wasn't there can just only has to imagine what a what a. A fantastic thing yeah. it was at the time, and and what a galvanising thing it felt like for everybody, yeah. didn't it? It was, uh, and w and when Cyril Knowles, the manager, died a couple of years later, sadly, uh, I can remember um, uh, uh, one of the wreaths that was left at Plainmore was something along the lines of, he made us dream, he 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 made Wembley more than just a dream. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah, yeah. which which summed yeah. it up completely. Yeah. In other words, you know, Torquay had only ever dreamt. You, you must be joking. What well, it happened? It did. Well, so next week we'll talk a bit more about the game itself. If you uh, if you don't remember the result, we'll reveal all <laughs> next week. <laughs> I think most of our um, listeners do, but uh... we'll mention all the people that played in the game. We'll mention Dean Edwards, of course. We'll mention Mike Bateson, and we'll mention Mick the Miller somewhere along the way as well. <laughs> the Greyhound. Just throw that one out there for you. And and of course and. And we touched on it last week. Mark Loram and his his extraordinary experience through that whole of that weekend yeah. for, on the pitch and off it. Um, but uh, that's to come. That's to come next week. Thank you very much for your time. One person we must mention before we finish is a gentleman by the name of Gary Head, who's a, a Popside supporter. He is even as we speak. He's walking the southwest coast path. Started oh, in Minehead this week. Right. Uh, we'll finish in pool, indoor sandbanks or somewhere up that way at the, the very end of the coast path in about six weeks time. He's doing That's the equivalent a trick, of a half it? marathon every day. Wow. He's doing the 13 miles. He's doing it in aid of Miles for Minds, a mental health charity uh, in memory of his friend John Paul Childs. Um, Great effort, huge effort. We're hoping to catch up with him and do a bit of podcasting oh, with him when he gets into Torbay. We'll have to saunter along alongside <laughs> him, uh, trying not to get too out of breath, because imagine how fit he'll be by the time he gets around here. But uh, hopefully we'll join up. Great thing you're doing, Gary. Good luck with it from all of us uh, here on the podcast. 
We'll be back next week. There will be much to discuss, I'm sure. Um, we may even have some signings to talk about. You never Fingers know. crossed. But yeah. we'll tell you more about that great day at the Sherpa Van Trophy. Never a dull moment. In the meantime, come, come on, on, you yellows. yellows. You've been listening to the Herald Express Devon Live Talker United Yellow Army podcast, recorded weekly by David Thomas and Guy Henderson. You can find this podcast by clicking devonlive.com or by following us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash DL, or on Twitter at TQHE Sport. You can also subscribe on iTunes, search for Talker United on the iTunes app. Please leave us a review wherever you can. We welcome all feedback. Thank you very much for listening. Join us again next week.